There have been floods. There have been fires. And there was even the threat of a government downgrade. I'm talking about downtown Hot Springs. And you'll hear those stories coming up on this episode of Hot Springs This Week. Hot Springs This Week, a look at things to do and people to meet in Hot Springs, America's first resort. Hi, and welcome to Hot Springs This Week. I'm Neil Gladner. Thanks for listening. In this podcast, we always try to talk to somebody who makes Hot Springs a special place to both live and visit, and we'll do that in a moment. I appreciate your choosing this podcast. I hope you'll subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter at HSThisWeek. Right now, we have listeners in 27 states and three foreign countries, so thanks to all of you. Also, I hope you'll send us your comments and your reviews. The getting in the lakes part of the year is over for right now, but we'll be talking a bit about Lake Hamilton later in this podcast. And of course, there are many things to do here in Hot Springs in the coming weeks. We'll talk about that with Jennifer Bailey coming up in the podcast. But right now, let's go downtown. People come visit Hot Springs for a lot of reasons. The lake, Oaklawn, now for the mountain biking at the Northwoods Trail. But for many, downtown remains the center point. One side of Central Avenue, better known as Bathhouse Row, is part of the National Park. But across Bathhouse Row and along other parts of Central Avenue, it's retail and restaurants, local entrepreneurs. And while many would say, and I'd agree, that downtown is as strong and vibrant as I can remember in my 30-plus years in Arkansas, it's faced many challenges and still has a lot of growing to do. Over the years, downtown has had many champions. One of those, Mark Fleischner, who is a third-generation jeweler. If you don't know the name and you've been to Hot Springs, I bet you know his store, Loray's The Diamond Center. Well, earlier this year, Mark decided it was time to retire. So he sold Lorraine's to another jeweler here in Arkansas. Mark is still with the company until the end of the year. By way of history, Mark is a lifelong Hot Springs resident, with the exception of a few years away for education. Lorraine's started back in 1924, evolving from another business and run by his grandfather. Then Mark's mom and dad took over years later. Mark started working there in the 70s and took over the operation after his father's death in the mid-80s. Now, this podcast is not about Lorraine's, but I give you that as background so you, you can understand his connection to downtown. He's seen a lot of its history, the ups and downs. So we sat down to visit about the other side of Central Avenue, the side across from Bathhouse Row, the business side. Here's my visit with Mark Fleischner. You took over Lorraine's in about 1983 from your parents. Correct. So kind of give me a view of downtown in 1983 compared to downtown in now. Yeah, well, the 1983 was soon after the mall had been built and the migration, which was very typical of many, many cities across the country where everyone went to the mall to shop uh, and probably the, the biggest negative, if you will, to the downtown area uh, at that time, in my estimation, from a retail standpoint, was when Dillard's moved out of the downtown area. Uh, it was telltale, and, and things began to go downhill. So in 
1984, 85, I can't recall, uh, the Rotary Club, of which I was president, Hot Springs National Park Rotary Club, decided to get involved in the bathhouses. We were very fortunate uh, because of the National Park, uh, because of the Rotary Club, and, and the National Park was actually going to be degraded, if you will, to a uh, historic site rather than a national park, which is a major, major, major change. And, and with that being said, uh, we, we had William Penn Mott, who was the Secretary of the Interior at that time, uh, make a trip to Hot Springs to take a look at the bathhouses under the direction of then uh, Senator Dale Bumpers. Senator Dale Bumpers was the head of the committee of uh, the Interior Department. So it all kind of came together because of the people that were involved. And he came and he looked and he said, uh, basically, and I'm, I'm shortening the story because it's a rather interesting story, but it, he, he said, uh, listen, I'm going to take care of this side of the street, meaning the bathhouses in the National Park, and uh, I'll make sure that happens. He's, and they looked over across the street at uh, Central Avenue, if you will, uh, the Laurier side of the street. He said, but you all are going to have to take care of that side of the street. And it, it was it was a major turning point. Things began to change uh, a bit. The national park system did come around. The Central Business Improvement District Number 2, which is a six-block area that begins at uh, Whittington and Park Avenue uh, and goes up central to about Prospect. It was formed. All of the existing uh, utility poles that were in the downtown area were removed, and all of the power was put underground, and uh, trees were planted, et cetera, et cetera. The downtown took on a whole new ambiance, if you would. And had a marvelous architect group of architects, which included Doug Arnold from here. And we, we really did as much as we could with the funds that we had. It made an entire entirely different downtown area. So uh, from there it began. As I recall, Mark, in the 90s, the downtown business community was kind of struggling. And, and I remember being at a presentation that talked about you and, and your courage in keeping Larray's downtown. And you did a lot of advertising on Little Rock TV about historic downtown. Was there ever a time when you said to yourself, oh, maybe I should have gone out to the mall? Well, yeah. Yeah, full disclosure, absolutely. I mean, we, we constantly uh, evaluated our business. But, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, um, it was a good parallel. I think the uh, advertising and tourist promotion group uh, and Steve Arison, et cetera, I mean, all of that had such an impact on, on what was happening. But the downtown was, I mean, we were, we were actually drawing people in from about a 50-mile radius, uh, which was our intent to be able to stay in the downtown area. The type of business that we did was from service, uh, jewelry service, all the way up to engagement rings and special items for special gifts. No, not unlike most jewelry stores or many jewelry stores of, of, a, of a decent caliber. The businesses that decided, in my opinion, just to cater to the tourist and not to cater to a broad retail spectrum, if you will, in the downtown area, they really had a tough time. I mean, it's difficult to sell, and forgive me, I'm not trying to offend anyone, but just sell t-shirts and, and coffee cups and whatever that was at that time. But And now that still exists, but on a much lesser level, and the retail has changed, as you're well aware. It's, it's very well, There was a time in downtown where, as a visitor to Hot Springs in those years, 
there was nothing downtown after five o'clock. It was like they rolled up the sidewalks. And, you know, a lot of people have said they downtown had to get past touristy T-shirts and coffee cups. And, and even those who sell T-shirts now, it seems to be a better grade of merchandise than we saw in the 90s. Absolutely. Everything, everything is more upscale. Not trying to skip a step, but when the chief of the fire department, Ed Davis, sat with a group of us that were, oh, for seven years, I think we met every Thursday, uh, unless we had a um, something, a conflict of some, some sort. But we met for an hour every Thursday at eight o'clock in the morning. We were all property owners, of which there were maybe nine of us at the peak, and we had a facilitator to kind of get us get us organized. But Ed came and talked to us and, and said that he had gotten the okay from uh, the state fire marshal to proceed on any building that was three stories or taller had to have a fire sprinkler system, right. or they could not rent out the, the first floor, period. I mean, they had to have that, and uh, that was a bold move. And it was really that was really the change, if I if you will, especially after the majestic uh, burnt to the ground. I, I still look at that fire as a major turning point. It's a sad moment, but but it was a major turning point. Um, I may be reading between the lines here, but are you kind of saying that once the fire chief told property owners you're going to have to put in sprinkler systems, it forced people to get serious about whether they wanted to continue to own those buildings or sell them to someone who could put them to a greater use? Exactly. Property began to sell because of that, and some of those same properties may have even sold twice already since that time. When you sell a property and someone invests in a property, most generally, and has to put a sprinkler system into it because they can't open it up otherwise, and, I mean, all of a sudden, money begets money, and, and uh, business starts operating and and that's what you see in the downtown area and doing so and i can't exactly put my my finger on it but young people really like to come to hot springs as do people my age and and uh it's a great place to walk as long as you feel safe and secure and you can go up the mountains and you can you know you can go in and out of the bathhouses or in and out of the shops or in and out of some of the great restaurants that we've got downtown and uh now now the key which is uh, very important, is that you can live in the downtown area. So it's beginning to happen. It's beginning. Let me, let me come back, though, in history to when there was the possibility of the national park becoming a national historical site instead of a national park. Uh, walk us through a little bit of what the mindset was for Hot Springs business owners, because you probably had to look at that and say, uh-oh, this, this thing is going to be a problem. First of all, I, I think that the mindset was we're in a bit of trouble here. We need to deal with it. And, and again, I keep going back to the Rotary Club, but that was the only group that was working with this. It was the only group that had a, uh, if you will, the presence and certainly a weekly meeting where at least it could be mentioned or whatever. Uh, and a group or a committee came together. Uh, we were, at that time, I was 32, 33, and there were like-minded people in the organization and there were people that are my now age uh, the Cecil Cup and many others I'm trying to think Burl Anthony came to our rescue at that time and David Pryor uh, anyway long story short those people were advising us and those people were communicating with with uh, various legislative bodies that they knew we were fortunate that Dale Bumpers was in the position that he was and I will paraphrase this conversation that I sat as a young man with these mature men uh, in his office, which was in Little Rock at that time. Uh, he had a Little Rock office and a D.C. office, and 
and we came in and told him what was going on, and he said, you're kidding. He said, they're, they're going to reduce, I think I'm quoting him correctly, my national park to a historic site. And he literally picked up the phone and called up the Secretary of Interior and said, I'm sitting here with a group of citizens, uh, constituents, if you will, that are, are telling me that my national park in Hot Springs, Arkansas, is going to be reduced to a national historic site. Why am I not aware of that? So that's kind of where it started. That is exactly where it started. And How long was the process, Mark, from that phone call to when it was rescued as a park, measured in weeks or months? I would say in, in a matter of weeks, things began to happen. My friend Clay Farrar, who uh, had assisted, I mean, Clay is a, a phenomenal guy and has a great uh, grasp of history. In fact, he's on the Historical Society board, and, and Clay had a friend who was a lobbyist in, uh, in D.C., Herschel Lippo, through finances, and I can't recall whether it's 50 of the future or whomever uh, that put up some money. We had our own lobbyist and that was working with the legislative body to help us get what we needed to get. It came about, I would say, in a period of a few months, we had the Secretary of Interior coming into Hot Springs. He met with us energetic man, uh, very enjoyable to me, all business. He got up at five in the morning and he went for, he walked the national park himself. And he said, if you want to join me, you can. He was with his aide and he didn't quit until 10 o'clock at night. I mean, he was rolling while he was here and uh, for a period of three days or so. That's really where it all began. And I'm, I'm pleased to say that we've got all the national, all the, forgive me, all the bathhouses except one, the Maurice, which have been, uh, rehabbed, if you will, and uh, hopefully the Maurice will be the last one in the crowning glory to our national park. You know, it's a very interesting public-private partnership as the Park Service has leased out these bathhouses, and so we have one that's now a hotel with restaurant, we have one that's a brewery, we have one that's a bath, a couple of them that are bathhouses now. Makes me, did you ever think about moving Luray's across the street? You know, I never did think about it. We did have uh, what used to be the Mocha, which was, uh, I think it was the Ozark Bathhouse. We used to have a holiday party over there, and we would roll our showcases literally across the street and, and have a party at Christmas time. Uh, and it was it was a beautiful location. I still think, uh, and you know that I'm working on uh, with a marvelous group of people to increase the parking in the downtown area and make it a little more, uh, a little easier for uh, those of us who are trying to park down there. And with that being said, that that's going to have to take place for I believe for the bathhouses to really reach their full potential as well as the downtown area. So so that's ongoing right now. Obviously, Hot Springs is a big tourist community, but that's seasonal. I mean, it's during the Oakland season and during the summer season, so the downtown has to make a living those other months as well. If you can, think back about when were the really good times and when were the really hard times downtown in those in those off-seasons. So as, as you visited with your fellow business owners downtown, were there times of the the 90, early 90s better than the late 90s, things of that nature. I see what you're saying. I, I would have to say that as we moved on in the years, it seemed to get better. Although, even now, uh, I think the, the companies that are not geared towards what I call local, and local is no longer just hot springs. Local is more of a, a metro look, if you will. If you're not pursuing whatever your methods are, uh, business in that metro area and you're just relying on tourism it's no different than it was 
in in uh, the past, in my opinion, uh, because the the tourism is still strong. But you better have the right products if you're just going to target them. Some businesses back in the day, back in the '90s, they used to close down during the dead season. I mean, it was amazing. It was, there, you you would walk down the street and there there'd be three or four stores that weren't even open during a January or so. Now, I mean, they're open at night. They're you know they're doing whatever they do. And the new owners of our company have even taken it to another level. They're they're open. They want to be open on the Fourth of July. They want to be open on Memorial Day. They want to be, I'm like and and they're busy. They're very busy. So tourism and local, in my opinion, equals a, a very strong. Uh, retail atmosphere. Take us back. I don't remember the year. I want to say 91 was when the floods, I remember the, I didn't live in Hot Springs. I remember the TV video of the floods sweeping cars down Central Avenue in Hot Springs. Take us through those days. Yeah, that was uh, not that I remember, but it was May 19th and 20th of 1990. But oh, kind of remember. remember it. But uh, yeah, it was uh, for me, it was an amazing, uh, well, for many, it was an amazing experience. They, there were actually two floods in the downtown area. The, the initial flood, the initial impact, which I was not down there for, uh, really, really uh, was devastating the toy chest was one that stands out in my mind the toy chest which is still down there most recently the the man who brought the toy chest with his wife to hot springs passed away i mean marcus but his daughter is continuing to run that business and they had these huge glass windows from the sidewalk up and something ran into them as well as water coming down the mountain behind the store and whatever sort of drainage they had wasn't adequate uh, but the entire store filled up with water. I, however many feet, I don't know. But they lost literally everything. And that was very typical of many businesses in the downtown area. The f- flooding came back. We had actually, I had actually called a friend who did uh, carpet work to come vacuum out the front of the store because there was some seepage through the, through the, uh, the doors. Uh, not bad, which is normal. And he came down, and he was doing it, and we got it kind of cleaned up. And his van was in front of the store. And... And the rain started coming. I said, you need to move your van. He said, why? I said, you need to move your van. And literally no less than 15 minutes, the street was flooded again because it still was a capacity in the creek, which goes underneath Central Avenue. Now they've cleared out that creek and and done a lot of things that basically would keep us from having another 100-year flood, let's hope. so. How long did it take downtown to recover? Was it, um, Walk us through, again, being a business owner there and you and your, your fellow business owners in downtown. What was that time like? It was an incredible experience. Uh, I had stayed in the store. Basically, I'd slept in the store upstairs. Uh, the downstairs, obviously, was full of water. And uh, when, when a car actually crashed through the side of the wall of our store, that's what permeated the uh, the building with water. It, the cars were let come into the downtown area after the first flood. For whatever reason, it hit CNN or local TV stations or whatever. I don't know that made people come look. Police did not keep them out of the downtown area, which was a mistake, but everybody, it's easier to look back. Next day, there were more volunteers than you can imagine. Oaklawn uh, had sent a bunch of trucks down there to pick up, help pick up debris and help the city pick up debris. Volunteers were down there. We had volunteers in the store helping us clean it out. I, if you've ever dealt with a flood, 
I can't. I mean, when I see it on TV with these different places that have these terrible floods, the damage is almost irreparable. And uh, we had our the floor of the store, uh, you know, the building is an 1886 building, and the floor in the center of the store was tile, those little small uh, one-inch tiles that are octagonal or whatever, and the it imploded. I mean, it just imploded. So we had to pull that out and put in new flooring and whatever. So that took a period of weeks. But in the meantime, Tom Wilkins, who had the bathhouse show back then, had put together sort of a rally. And then we came back from that. Uh, we, at that time, Bill Clinton was our governor. And we had just completed the CBID2 that I had mentioned earlier. And it tore that up. I mean, all the streetscape, all these trees, all these beautiful shrubbery, all this, you know, millions of dollars worth of stuff. I mean, it just tore it up. He met with a group of us at the uh, the um, Civic Center, and uh, we sat with him, and he said, what, what do we need? And we said, well, we're going to have to rebuild the streetscape. And he called up someone from a federal agency, and the next thing we knew, within a period of weeks, they'd called the city and said, we're, we're going we're gonna to take care of that, which was, at that time, I think, several million dollars. And so the CBID basically rebuilt itself again, which was another step for downtown to survive and beat beat all odds. So. You know, I, I described the video briefly just a moment ago, but it was it was like a flash flood. I mean, it wasn't water rising slowly. It was like a river coming down Central Avenue that was sweeping everything out with it. Yeah, I, and I, I may be inaccurate on my, my measurements and my days, but it was close to 13 inches in a period of 48 hours of rain. Basically, a cloud just was over hot springs. I mean, it didn't just flood here. It flooded down, uh, of course, Lake Hamilton drained into Lake Catherine, and Lake Catherine had people that they lost their homes. I mean, there, there's a lot of damage that went on. And now what happens is they, whenever they know we're going to have uh, rain, they, they lower the lake so the water can has a place to go. And uh, that's really made a huge difference. So, Mark, as, as downtown worked to recover from the floods, was that a... Uh, you see it in other communities. You see the coverage about how people come together uh, in other communities when we see it on the news, whether it's floods in California or Chicago, wherever it might be. Same kind of thing here. Was was it a galvanizing point? Did it help bring downtown more together than it already was? Oh, yes. I mean, I, I, I think I think everyone came together. I really think that there was more organization. There was a little more. It was, it was almost, you know, I, I always say God does things in strange ways. It kind of lit a fire under some people, including myself. You have to deal with it and move on and, and hopefully do better or you're not you're going to fail. I think that that's what happened. We moved on. Now, Hot Springs is getting a lot of national attention. It's in all sorts of lists about great places to visit. Downtown's had a lot of improvements. Um, but folks who look at downtown say, and uh, columnist Rex Nelson has said this, others have said it, that Hot Springs can't relax. I mean, it has to look at what's next. How do we, as you look at that, just as someone who's been downtown for so many years, uh, you mentioned residences downtown already. What do, you, what do you see as the next step for Hot Springs and for the downtown portion of Hot Springs to, to grow? Yeah, I, I really think it's not just downtown. I think it's for our city. Our city has to um, create some more jobs. The jobs have got to be maybe in the tourism industry, but they need to be outside the tourism industry. We need to get young people back here. And I think there are people who are working on that diligently. Uh, I think our community college is focused on that. I think Henderson will be focused on it. I think that uh, having a math science school here is going to help. I think that our school systems... 
uh, are working on it. I personally think if you want to survive, you've got to have a three-pronged economy. And I think you have to have industry, tourism, and retirement. That's what Hot Springs has to have. And they all need to be working. And so when one gets a little bit of a leaky tire, if you will, the other ones are doing good. And we really haven't had that balance in a while. Uh, we've had some. You know, we had the retirement, we had the tourism, the industry left us. You know, we've lost different plants and whatnot. And I'm not necessarily talking about heavy industry. I'm talking about things that can go into the buildings that we have. I just think there's a lot out there. And I think that we all need to realize, like Rex said, we, you just can't stop. I'm fortunate. I now can be involved and do things uh to assist and be a little bit more involved because I'm not managing a business. So with that being said, it's, it's kind of fun. And I really have great hopes and marvelous expectations for what people will see in the years to come. And my hope is that for those of us who have children, uh, that our children want to come back here to live and have something to work for. There was a consultant who specializes in helping communities grow named Quint Studer. And he's worked with Pensacola and other cities. And he was here in Hot Springs, I don't know, eight, ten months ago. And he talked specifically about downtown and about bringing young people back. And one of the things he said, a couple of things that it needed, as you mentioned, was the ability to live downtown. He wasn't talking about cookie-cutter apartments. I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. But he said unique and interesting and affordable living spaces. And then capital, the availability of capital for young people who want to start like um businesses like dot-coms and things of that nature. Do you see in the back, do you see that coming? Do you see in, in the folks you talk to, is that being actively discussed with an eye toward action or being discussed at all? Well, I, I see it being discussed. I think that um, the, the thing that we need in Hot Springs is we need an angel. Uh, we need a real angel, whether whatever the business is, whatever the person is, that they can look at all the things that are being um, thought about, talked about, uh, and and that person can assist by saying, you know what, I'm behind that. And um, that's where it all begins. You've got to have someone who is going to assist you financially. I think the city is doing everything they can. I'm impressed with what the city's doing. I think our city manager is doing everything he possibly can. I'm a big fan of his. I think that Oaklawn and what they're doing is spectacular. Uh, I think it's great. But it's just a piece of the puzzle, you know. It's just there's so much more that has to take place for all all to rise, for all the businesses to rise, for everyone in the community to feel good, for everyone to feel secure, both uh, financially and otherwise. So I think it's happening. Uh, I'm encouraged by it. I think a few more have to get on board. Uh, and and not be negative. And, and one of the things Quint Studer talked about, he said, pretty much downtown is full on the first floor, but what they need is vertical growth. They need businesses and residences on the second, third, and fourth floors. Now you're a property owner downtown. How tough is that to make happen? Yeah, it, it will. First of all, you're dealing with old buildings, and, and I'm getting ready to do work on our second floor uh, of the building that I'm in, my office building, and, and uh, we're, we're going to make it into a living quarter, which it was way back. It's 4,000 square feet, so, I mean, it's huge, uh, but we have to put new windows in it. We have to do this. We have to do that. I mean, and, and it takes money, and I'm cool with that. I'm very cool with that, but the main thing is uh, to have something for them to be in Hot Springs for and and that's why I think that maybe uh, software 
development. I think that this is a great community. I mean, look at look what we have, the Northwoods. I mean, for a young person, this place is heaven. I mean, I'm telling you, I don't care what you like. If you're a runner, if you're a golfer, if you're a tenant, I mean, whatever it is you want to do, this is one of the most beautiful places in America. What I am seeing is there's some new blood here. And the new blood has the energy and they have a different way of looking at hot springs than some of us who have been here for a long time. And that's good because it needs to be looked at a little differently. Take it your word it's good, but is it hard? I mean, how long did it take you to evolve as a longtime downtown business owner to these new ideas that folks have brought? I mean, or were you instantly on board? Yeah, I'm, you know, I have to think about it. I'm a slow thinker, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it. But that's not to say they're wrong. I mean, the proof is really in the end result. And if you want to see an end result, sometimes you got to be patient. Patient is not my middle name. So I have to, you know, it's like I want it yesterday. But but I, I'm understanding of what's trying to happen. And I realize it takes time. Everything that I participated in took time. And I need to look back at that and realize that Whatever comes after is going to take time. What was it? Another thing to me that was interesting when Studer was here was he talked about young people and retired people want many of the same things. So it's not an either or. They, they want a vibrant nightlife. They want the ability to, to go to interesting coffee shops. They want the ability to go to interesting restaurants in walking distance. So really bringing residences downtown, it sounds like, is a real key to keeping it downtown economy alive it is the key in my opinion i see that if you will using a term that uh, was used years ago and that is you need to massage the people while they're in the downtown area now that means that when they walk out of their homes or when they walk out of the retail shop or when they walk out of the restaurant they feel good and and they they no matter which way they walk no matter which way they look no matter whether they walk up the mountain or they walk in front of bathhouse row or this or central avenue retail side or whatever they do or walk into a hotel what whatever it is that they do they need to feel like you know this feels good just like a massage i think hot springs has got that ingredient i think it's there and i think that what we really need is to realize for it to last, we got to have more young people, younger people, whatever that is, whether that's 20 to 40 or whatever the age bracket, but they've got to have something they can do. I have personally, I have two daughters that have uh, are still single, that in their one's in their 30 at this point in time, and the other was mid 30s, and and they both found industries that they went into, one in Austin, Texas, which is a happening area, and the other one in Seattle, which is a happening area. They left Hot Springs. I think Hot Springs has got as much to offer or more than those cities as far as the physical beauty and everything else, the, the, way, to, the way to life. And some people are seeing that right now. And friends of mine who are in the real estate business say they're running out of inventory. Now, whatever that price point is, I don't know. It's a great place to live. That's all I can say. We're similar in that we're both dads. Yep. We both have two daughters. We both have two daughters that do not live here where we are. So we've probably both had the same conversation along the lines of what would it take? That's a hard conversation because th th these people, our children want to make their own way and they're happy where they are. They wouldn't be there. It's a tough pull to get them to come back here. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, we obviously had a business uh, that that I was a third generation jeweler. I mean, I, that's almost unheard of in the country, and and becoming a fourth generation jeweler is really unheard of. I had spoken with both daughters individually to see if they had any desire, no pressure, blah blah blah, blah. and and you know, I, I knew the answer before, not because they didn't want to be a part of the business, or maybe that wasn't their desire to be in the jewelry business. But they just didn't want to live in Hot Springs, although they have wonderful memories and they love coming back to it. Got to have a little bit more than what we've got, even though it's a great place to live. And and I think it's on its way. I really do. Yeah, I, I can see retiring in Hot Springs. I can also see working. I enjoyed working in Hot Springs. My biggest problem was I worked too much and didn't get to enjoy Hot Springs that much. Is, do you think Hot Springs is doing enough to cultivate the next generation of young leadership? Oh, yeah. I think that uh, for years, uh, the leadership programs that have been going on have been great. Uh, they they started, again, back in the late 80s, if I remember correctly. Uh, a fellow by the name of Jim Pickens had started. He's no longer with us, but he was with uh, Entergy at that time, or AP and Elephant. And he, he started that leadership program, which the Chamber of Commerce still does, and they have it at different levels, I think. Uh, different age groups and so on. They even have it in high school now, I think. So it's trying to trying to make it happen. You know, the the wheels are moving. You and Patty have sold Lorays. Yes. Um, you're still there for a little bit, but so as I wrap up, what's your next chapter? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, my I'm reading a book, uh, Your Next Season, uh, and I'm giving it a plug because I I had uh, attended a program that my youngest daughter was going graduating from, and I just went out there to. Supporter. She was. It was out in uh, out in Santa Barbara, California. And in this this one gentleman who was getting ready to retire on Monday after this program was over, said that he had gone through this program, which was uh, sort of a learning how to coach and learning how meaning coaching, executive coaching, and so on. Anyway, but he told me about the book because I was talking about my retirement. I am uh, I am really trying to find my way. Anyone who retires, <clears throat> in my opinion, after speaking with a number of buddies. Uh, both men and women, anyone who retires is going to be in for a little surprise, in my opinion. You may be thrilled that you can go fishing or golfing or whatever it is every day, or you can may be thrilled that you can read all the time, or you can wake up late or whatever it is. But for those of you, if like myself, who have been energized by going to work every day, which I was, and uh, you're going to have to find a little something. So the next chapter is still unknown. I'm still volunteering. I'm still involved with the food bank, which I think is sadly needed, uh, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm involved with some committees here, and I am traveling and enjoying it very much, being able to go see our daughters and doing different things. So my thanks to Mark Fleischner for his time. Anyone you talk to in downtown will tell you that Mark's had a lot to do with helping downtown to continue to evolve. He's been very active with the business community downtown. I've known Mark for many years, both socially and in business. So by way of full disclosure, Lorraine's is also an advertiser on several of the Hot Springs radio stations that this company owns, and Lorraine's continues to be an advertiser. So I would be comfortable in also telling you that if you're downtown, drop into Lorraine's and meet Toddy Petard, a longtime Arkansas jeweler who is now the owner of of Lorraine's The Diamond Center. So once again, we reach the use-by date of our podcast. I hope you enjoyed the time we spent with Mark Fleischner, but now we'll talk about events that are coming up in the future. Now, this podcast is being posted on October 21st, so you'll hear events here from 
uh, the middle of October up through the middle of November. So if you're listening in December or February of 2020, this is where you go ahead to the next podcast. As always, I'm with my colleague from 105.9 KLAZ, the lady about town, all things social, Jennifer Bailey. Hi, Jen. Howdy doody. What's up? Well, let's start with art exhibits. One of my favorite things about Hot Springs is there are several galleries here, plus other places that display works of art. In fact, way too many to talk about in a short podcast. So this is a good time to just remind everyone about the Visit Hot Springs website. If you go to hotsprings.org, click on events, just select your date range. You'll see all of the events going on in Hot Springs with information on each of them. Lots of spooky things between now and Halloween, such as Magic Screams out at Magic Springs Park. Now, you have to pay to get in there. Go to their website for more information. Also, on the 31st, the Highway 7 South Haunt. That's a drive-through spook. So you just stay in your car. It's in the 7,000 block of Highway 7 South. And the Murder and Macabre Mystery Dinner Theater presents Murder and Mayhem. This will be at the Porter House Restaurant. Dinner and a show, 50 bucks a person. Includes a costume contest each night. Goes for several nights. You do have to be 21. If you'd like information and reservations in Hot Springs, 627-5534. I love murder mystery dinners. They are an absolute blast. They are fun. October 26th, now that's a Saturday, it's the Spa City Rocktober Music Festival. This is at the Farmer's Market from 3 till 10, only 10 bucks to get in, and kids 12 and under are free. Music plus food available for purchase during the show. Also on that Saturday, Arkansas Pagan Pride. Promoters say it's all about tradition. This is going to be at Energy Park from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. with workshops, vendors, and entertainment. Go to ArkansasPaganPride.org for more information. Okay, Sunday the 27th is the Shakespeare at the Market featuring Romeo and Juliet. Part of the Renaissance Fair activity starts at 3 o'clock. Bring your own lawn chair and blanket. And we talked about this next thing in our last podcast as well. This is November 1st and 2nd, the 23rd Autumn Hot Springs Haiku Conference. This is at the Arlington Hotel. It's open to the public without charge, courtesy of the Haiku Society. Poets from all over will be there. So here we go, Jen. Okay. Are you ready? Uh Uh-huh. Abundant haiku for your enjoyment those days. Best of all, it's free. Bravo, sir. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) On November 15th through 17th, the new Good Run. I think that's Good Run. Could be Good Run. G-U-D-R-U-N. Mountain Bike Festival will be at the Northwoods, combining an expo with a group ride through downtown. And the annual Attila the Hun mountain bike race. So you ask, what is a good run? Well, let me tell you. Good run is a Germanic heroic legend, a warrior, a Viking, wife to Attila the Hun, and later defeater of the Huns. See, Attila probably should have been scared of her. For more information, call (laughs) Tracy Berry at 501-321-2027. Tracy runs the Northwoods Trail and can tell you everything you want to know about the Northwoods Trail, by the way, if you're thinking about a trip to Hot Springs to go ride the trail. Also on the 16th, the Spa Running Festival. Runners and walkers of all levels and ages are welcome. There'll be a 5K and a 10K. The 5K is what they call a fast five because it's on a flat course. Information at, now this is all one word, spa running festival.com. 
Is there a 1K? I could do a 1K. There may be. A half K? A quarter K? Remember at the St. Patrick's Day Parade, there's a 0K. Yes, and I failed at that one, if you recall, too. I was the only one who actually fell and got injured in a 0K. Well, when you think about the 10K, that's hashtag Neil won't be there. (laughs) (laughs) Now, here's something that we are perfectly fit for, Neil. It's a great tasting event. Thursday, November 21st, the 20th annual Taste of the Holidays at Mid-America Museum. Now, this is a fundraiser for the Mid-America Museum with food and beverages from all over town. All your friends are going to be there. It is an absolute blast. Tickets are $85 in advance. It's a a great event. All sorts of restaurants bring food. Once you buy your ticket, you're in. They've got desserts and It's a delicious thing. It absolutely is. And one of my favorite events, and not just because it's chock full of food and drinks, but they've got some of the best silent auction items of the year, too. Hashtag eat your way through the museum. (laughs) (laughs) And more on this in a future podcast. But November 23rd is when they start the holiday lights at Garvin Gardens. That runs through the end of the year. I mean, it's I don't remember the number, but it's hundreds of thousands of lights and it's the same admission price as it is all year it's 15 bucks if you're not a member and if you've not been to garvin gardens for the holiday lights you're really missing out it's a tradition you have to go every year it's wonderful thank you jennifer thank you One of our partners in this podcast is energy hydro and that is the group responsible for the levels, among other things, in Lake Hamilton, Lake Catherine, and they also control the flows down the Washita River. So the big thing that happens on Lake Hamilton comes up on November 1st of every year, give or take a day. It will be November 1st this year, and it's where Entergy drops the lake. This year, it will go down three feet. Why does it go down, you ask? Well, Entergy works with game and fish, and one of the things they want to do is control the plant life in the shallower areas of the lake because that helps keep the lake more healthy. So they have to go Go down different levels and at energy hydro kimberly bogart was telling me they literally go around the lake with fish and game biologists and they sample plant life and that's how they determine how much they have to drop it so that those plants are impacted when there's a freeze later this winter so again november 1st is when that happens they will drop the lake three feet they do it six inches a day until they get down the full three feet So that's pretty much a wrap on this episode of Hot Springs This Week. Thank you again for listening. You can always follow us on Twitter at HS This Week. We also have a Facebook page. Love to hear your comments, your thoughts, and suggestions you might have for future guests. Again, let me thank Mark Fleischner for spending so much time with us. And of course, as always, my colleague Jennifer Bailey. Hot Springs This Week is a production of KZNG Talk Radio right here in the spa city thanks again for listening and we'll see you again on hot springs this week